Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. For 25 years, Seth Lightman has seen it all. From the newest electric car revolution, solar power, bike lanes made in NYC. And now we are here. More electric cars, need for more renewables and eco-friendly products in our world. Well, now it's time for an all-out podcast for this time. You're listening to The Green Living Guy Show. He's funny, real, exactly on point, And some think his style is so raw, it's crazy. Let's do this, folks. It's time for The Green Living Guy Show with Seth Lightman. What's up, everybody? It's Green Living Guy here. I cannot believe what's going on in New York. Holy sheetrock. I fly out to San Francisco for stuff I can't talk about, but I'm out here and everybody that I know is like burning in New York. And my wife even had to have her school district closed today. So if you say climate change isn't real and that forest fires cannot affect things in other parts of the country, think again. Why we need to have cleaner greener streets, clean and greener air. And the person I'm talking to is the most amazing person in San Francisco. He's got a fleet of 13 Teslas helping to make taxi experiences across the city and and the area more pleasurable, more efficient, and with cleaner air. And I could tell you, I probably drove past one of them in the cab I was in last night and they look beautiful. They're driving around and they're making real moves, uh, not just in the streets, but really like the future of what transportation needs to be, especially in taxis, Ubers, car sharing experiences. They all need to be electric. Ryan Levinson from Kilowatts, thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So one of the things um, I wanted to ask you if you could talk about was how you started this, your fleet of 13 Teslas. Yeah, yeah. So um, really simply, thanks for having me again. Um, yeah, I'm, I am the kilowatts. So that brand is mostly me. And and how did I get started with uh, building that fleet? Essentially, uh, I was working at Tesla at the time. I had been working at Tesla for several years. I bought one of the first ever Model 3s, uh, VIN 297. Uh, and then a year later, so it was a rear-wheel drive, long-range, dual motor. Okay. It was basically my entire uh, after-tax pay for my <laughs> first year full-time employment. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so I, I bought that, and then a year later, you know, I would saved up a little bit more money, but mostly Tesla was doing a, a, uh, a program for, hey, you could buy a new Tesla at $10,000 off. And I looked at the depreciation for that first year. I was like, wow, okay, this is an opportunity. So it was an end-of-quarter push to get some more cars out. And uh, yeah, I, I bought another car without knowing what I was going to do with my first car. Talk about a deal. I mean, I got a deal when I got my solar and power walls, but folks, that that 10 grand off, jeez. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Wow. So it, it was it was a no-brainer to, to try to make that move, but then now the, the harder part was, okay, I, I've got most of my net worth basically tied up in two cars. What do I do right. with it? Right. And the, my first car was wrapped by Unplugged Performance, and I needed to unwrap it before I sold it. It just made sense to reveal the paint under it and whatnot. Right. And so, yeah, basically, instead of selling it, the uh, head of video production at Tesla at the time uh, was like, why don't you try touring it? And basically, that's exactly what I did. Is I, I knew I was going to unwrap it. I should have the time. Uh, and so I put it on Turo just for a month. And that first month, it more than covered my car payments. And then... what? Let's rewind that, yeah, folks. Yeah. And I, I might have my... Uh, my my audio guy put a re, uh, rewind sound right here because that I just need to like, say that again for folks. <laughs> the, the, what mode you put a mode, or so, he suggested you do? He suggested I put it on Turo, the car sharing app for vehicles. Okay, it's basically you know think of Airbnb for vehicles. Okay, okay. This all right. So Turo is a is an app, folks. So because I didn't even know that, you learn something new every day. I mean, I know PlugShare and all the other ones, but never heard of that. So go ahead. This yeah, is great. So Turo is where I've been hosting all my vehicles as I slowly added more. Basically, after three months of hosting. The one vehicle actually before that three months was over, I had added my other vehicle and then I bought another one. So I had three Model 3s uh, three months in and I was just kind of sharing them all. And then whichever one was the last to get booked was the one I would use to get to work. And if, if they all got booked, I would take public transit. And that was totally fine. And you I was were making, cool with that. I'm making plenty of money. It's like, you're you know. You're banking and you're, you're, you're using your assets as assets. Exactly, point, so. exactly. So then when the pandemic hit, I'd been at Tesla for five and a half years, if you include the internship, five and a half years. Okay. And uh, it just looked like the whole world was changing. I had saved up more and more money with Tesla stock and everything else I was doing with my employment there. And uh, I was like, I've never had this much money. I've never had this much opportunity. The world's about to change. And at the time, I was working uh, at, at Tesla right. in their recruiting operations department. Okay. So I'm not a recruiter, but I, su rep I support the recruiters. And, uh, you know, how much recruiting are you going to be doing during a pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't look like a uh, strong suit. So go ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I self-selected out pretty quickly. <laughs> Uh, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to build this brand. I've already got three vehicles on, on yeah. Turo. Yeah. I'm going to grow that fleet. And I'm also going to start a YouTube channel. Uh, basically the kilowatts, as you all know, it is information and accessibility, accessibility with all the yep. vehicles that I've grown into my fleet and information, what I share on, on the internet. Now folks, just so you're aware, if you go onto the app, wherever you're streaming this from, be sure to check all the links that we're gonna put in the description here so that you can go check out Ryan and all of the stuff he's doing. So we're not just gonna leave you with this interview, folks. We try to make our descriptions as extensive as possible so you have the best experiences possible too with talking, you know, me talking to Ryan and you experiencing what we're talking about. So go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, so it basically just grew from there. When the pandemic got started, I sold my first Model 3, which was very emotional, but yeah. I uh, bought two Model Ys like the week oh. that I left my job. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I scared everyone in my family. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing? No. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving Tesla while buying two Teslas. This is aggressive. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the, the goal has always been pretty clear to me that like, again, I just want to get people excited about EVs and, and help them like get that first experience. At the end of the day, a lot of it is, uh, you know, helping people see the light. And some of that is what you can do online getting, but really at the end of the day, what 
changes minds is getting butts in seats. Always. So always. So slowly I grew my fleet. I bought a couple more cars. I have a, a couple friends who bought a few cars and I manage their cars as well. Yep. Uh, and so yeah, now we're just at 12 Teslas and one Rivian is the fleet that I'm oh, managing. Rivian. Yeah. How I hate to ask, and I'm not trying to do it to do uh be um Anything, but I just saw a report today on Rivian. Um, uh, is there any concern about your your truck now? That with what happened? Uh, the Are you referring to the car, uh, the truck that caught fire in Mill Valley just north yes. of here? Yeah, yes. I just heard about it. So I yeah, was, I just you know. I mean, statistically speaking, that that's incredibly rare. I mean, obviously yeah. there is a concern. Uh, we'd all like to know a yeah. little bit more about what happened there. Looking at the images, it looks like somehow the charge port interface. I don't want to blame Rivian, but, and I also don't want to blame Electra America, yeah. but it, it looks like, uh, something to do with the charger yeah. uh, may have started a fire. Fortunately, it doesn't look like it even caught the battery. Yeah, if you look at the car, folks, even on the Instagram, it doesn't look like a typical electric vehicle fire. That If it was a typical electric vehicle fire, you would not be seeing really any part of that Rivian whatsoever. Yeah, and that's just simply because there's so much energy in the battery. Right. So it, right. it, it seems as if something caught fire towards the front of the vehicle. Obviously, you know, no one's speculating. No one's expecting it to be uh, malicious intent, like someone no. someone vandalized it. So no. it, it, it looks as if there's some kind of issue with that charger potentially. Yeah. But again, we we can't claim more than we know right now, and we'll find out soon. And yeah. I, mean, I am not worried because I know that at the end of the day, like these cars are statistically safer. Of course. Uh, but yes. it, it does seem something out of the ordinary happened there. Right, it's an anomaly, and I know that MIT has just funded a significant study, um, not just like a. <laughs> a report, but like actual real work to ensure battery flames do not occur in the futures. So I think it's like they invested, I think the report said that they're investing about a hundred million dollars just to ensure battery batteries don't go up in flames like that anymore. And by the way, folks, the statistical average of a battery catching on fire versus a gas engine catching on fire is like Grapes and grapefruits. So the grapes are, <laughs> are the little electric car chances, and grapefruits is the chance of a gas car catching on fire. Mm -hmm. But it'll definitely catch more headlines, though. I mean, it, yeah. you know, everyone wants to know that we're moving into safer vehicles, and anytime you have something that's not safer, it's going to make headlines. And another example of that is. You know, the first time uh, a Tesla in robo-taxi mode kills someone, which statistically will happen, or someone's going to die in a robo-taxi. Even if it's not the robotaxi's fault, that's going to be all over the news, and it's going it to seem like it's less safe. Even if statistically there's way more deaths or, or problems with traditional taxis, other types of travel, yep. because it's what's new, because it's different, and because people are scared already, that they, they want to believe that it's less safe, even if it's safer. Yeah, um, I remember when I've even back in the day test driving the first Teslas for as a press thing that I did for the Huffington Post, and. I took it on to the Interstate 87 going north to Albany, put it in cruise control, and then put it into the normal, the, uh, the autonomous-esque mode that Tesla had at that time. And for it to change lanes and everything was seamless, folks. And they didn't, you don't change a lane until it was safe to change a lane. Uh, the car knew what it was doing. And that was even back in 2018, I'm talking about. So technology has further gone, uh, 
gotten a lot better. So we need to realize that technology will only improve over time with autonomous vehicles. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about where we are with the technology and where we're headed with autonomous vehicles? Because I know we're not fully there, but we're, we're heading there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's that's a great question right now. I mean, especially given all the spaces that I'm in physically in San Francisco, uh, car sharing with my work, uh, Dispatch, a company that I'm just in the process of launching to focus on the car sharing part. Oh. Uh, and then, so yeah, there's just a lot there. Also, I've noticed a lot in San Francisco. And that's what I was going to get at. Okay, go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. So <laughs> I was just going to say like, you know, physically in San Francisco, living here, I, I actually have the opportunity to access some of the RoboTaxi services. Cru- right. Right. Cruise is right there, you know, uh, in the city. And I used it last Saturday to get around. Right now they're running it for free. And I felt very safe you know, on a drunken night out, <laughs> just taking it. And it's crazy. I mean, they're, they're limited at 25 miles per hour, but this is, this is technology that's becoming accessible. And, you know, we all back, you know, you mentioned 2018. Back yeah. then it seemed like Tesla was the only one that was potentially ever going to offer robotaxi services uh, in the near future. And obviously that can be seen different ways because Tesla's approach is so different. But right. there's now Cruise, Zooks, well, no, sorry, Cruise, and Waymo that the public Waymo. to varying degrees can access. Zooks is still seemingly behind in this. But yeah, it, it's it's very interesting to suggest that at least in some cities, you can take a robo-taxi right now. It's, it's pretty wild. I mean, guys, there's basically a ton of cameras all over it. And it really knows what to do in the if-then. Uh, I remember when um, with the autonomous vehicle that I test drove or was in the experience of driving with, at CES 2018, <clears throat> when I helped Panasonic and Tesla announce the uh, the launch of the Model 3 battery, the solar, uh, solar shingles, and the power walls, that it got into a situation, got into a situation where it basically said, what, what, what? It stopped because it went to make a turn and then a car drove past it. So the bus basically stopped. Luckily, there was a gentleman driving it with a joystick, but it wasn't there. But yet a Tesla uh, electric car was seemingly more autonomous on the road and safer than a bus. So like the technology is really wide ranging as to people's concerns and also what they're experiencing. In use cases. I, I think that what's super interesting is with Cruise, I'm not a, you're good. It doesn't, it, it'll oh, keep on recording. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, so with Cruise, you're able to, or sorry, with Cruise, you are only able to be in the back seat. They only allow for three people in the rear, no one in the front. Okay. With Tesla, it's not robotaxi yet, but the autonomous features right now at least require you basically still to be in the front seat, alive, awake, alert, and able to take control. And grab, able at certain intervals to be holding the steering wheel. Yeah, I mean, they would say that you're supposed to you know, hold it all the time, but they only measure it every so often. Right, right. Um, so it's, it's a very interesting thing where, again, with Teslas, with car sharing, as long as people are in the driver's seat and driving, so to speak, they can have the car do the majority of the driving. With Cruise and Waymo, they won't even allow you to touch the wheel. That, that's a problem if you're touching the wheel, and that's seemingly a good thing, but also related yeah. to being you know, geofenced, it, it has its own problems where, versus, again, with Tesla, 
I could go across the country and have it do 98% of the driving right. as long as I'm there ready to take over for that 2% when it can't. When it needs to be, right. Yeah, where you're, where it's learning, kind of like back from high school or even junior high school, the if then, you know, there's that 2%, which is like, what happens if you get into a certain situation, you don't know what to do? And then it teaches you that experience it. And once you learn it, then it's inherently part of its system. That's what AI really, or the whole autonomous experience is about. And I remember researching this or learning about this through Panasonic uh, USA, you know, the whole interface of it is really learning what's, what to do in an if. <laughs> so Yeah, and it's, it's amazing because again, here in San Francisco, we see somewhat often cars getting stuck and having to learn and then you know, they may have learned some part of it. They may have not. They, you know, they may have hard-coded a solution. Uh, and again, Tesla's trying to go the approach where it is fully machine-learned. And uh, it's just fascinating watching these companies figure it out right here on public streets. It is. It, 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 because that experience, folks, is going to then translate to, into every other vehicle that goes anywhere in the, in the globe. So if that application or that software platform is used for other taxis and other experiences in, in, in across the country or across the world, it will remember that and then apply it. So that's really what autonomous vehicles are all about. The promise. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a future. So um, one question I have to ask, and uh, knowingly so, is uh, I remember you were in, because I, I we know uh, Elon Musk has uh, acquired Twitter, and there was a conversation you were having with him, I believe, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, about uh, his philosophy of why he did Twitter, and then I also have some questions about it, but one of the main things that I've been trying to explain to people, like on other apps, uh, from learning about seeing your interview, you know, mm -hmm. really firsthand, because everybody's questioning, what, 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 what is he going to do? There's this thing called, I guess in China, called WeChat, um, and he wants to turn Twitter into a one-for-all, I guess, app that you can use for everything. So I really want to hear from you because you were in that room with, mm -hmm. with Elon. So I, th I think your, your uh, knowledge base is really better than mine on this. Sure. Yeah, and, and actually even to explain some of the Twitter stuff, which, yeah, contextualizing, I was with the Silicon Valley Owners Club, who basically landed an interview with Elon. We spent, we, we debated how much time we thought we were going to spend with him, 45 minutes or an hour. Right. It ended up being a four-hour interview. None of us had planned for that. Oh, my gosh. And so the questions kind of went wherever we wanted. It was a very conversational interview at a certain point. And so I was only supposed to film, like, you know, I only had, like, my SD cards were ready for <laughs> an hour's worth of 4K footage. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, anyways, we got into talking about... The Twitter deal, which at the time was fresh and new. He had just kind of announced his intent. Uh, the deal wasn't going through and the, the lawsuits hadn't started. And so Elon in that room started talking about how basically, yeah, he saw Twitter as a, an accelerator towards what he saw um, something, like, uh, we, uh, something like WeChat being and, uh, yeah, basically he wanted to buy Twitter to accelerate his vision for X.com. Yes. But even to back up further, I think people forget or don't know that back in the day when I actually, worked, again, worked at Tesla, right. Elon talked about starting a new company called Pravda. 
And Pravda was supposed to be a way to rate journalists. Uh, it was just simply that. It was, you know, uh, the New York Times author, blah, blah, blah. They are, uh, are a B-plus journalist or a C-plus journalist. This was his vision way back when he tweeted about it. I even sent him an email like internally to Tesla. I probably shouldn't have. Right. Uh, but basically asking to be involved in that, that company. Uh, because, I, again, I studied journalism, studied advertising at the University of Oregon. And to me, I, I saw some of that, again, in how certain articles were written biasedly to turn something, you know, uh, uh, what is it, a molehill into a mountain? Or, or, oh, yeah. And so, you know, again, the, the, the example we talked about earlier, the Rivian that caught fire, absolutely something that we'd like to know more about. Right. But if you suggest that that's a problem with Rivian as a company, no. it most likely isn't. And at least you can't claim that at this time. No, I wouldn't claim it at all <laughs> no, because, because and, and, and my user case experience of it is, is multifold. But uh, one important part is as people might remember if they've seen my post uh, online, is I've explained how Amazon is a significant partner of Rivian. And all of the, and a lot of the platforms that you will see the future electric delivery vehicles that are um, Amazon vehicles are the Rivian platform, the Rivian skateboard as they call it. So, uh, and I've seen it in my community regularly. Like it's the daily, just dropping the thing, doing the thing, going back and doing it again. And I've there's a guy in town who has two Rivians. Wonderful. One of the first guys who got two Rivians loves them. Yeah, they're great vehicles. But basically, uh, so Elon has been thinking about truth and journalism for a long time. And then you add on the layer of uh, Cambridge Analytica and what happened with Facebook. So I was running one of two Tesla Facebook pages at the time. There was the Tesla corporate Okay. The one where you know they advertise products, and then there was the Tesla Students Center, and that was a page that for years I ran. That was like my internship project was making sure that potential stu- or potential employees, current students, would get excited about us visiting their campus. So wow. a, a, a way for us to communicate out to uh, a non mailing list uh, audience of students. And one day I got a call. I was out in Philadelphia for a hiring conference. And I got a call from the head of Tesla Communications at the time, a department that no longer exists. Right, right. Uh, I got a call saying, hey, take it down. Take, take the Tesla Student Center offline. Uh, Elon has decided that this is not something we want to be a part of. We do not want to be a part of Facebook anymore. Interestingly enough, ah. they still have their Instagram page. <laughs> we don't, I see what's going on here. But, I see the but, path. <laughs> but yeah, so Elon wanted it down. And so I had like two hours to take it down. Okay. And I did, and you know, kind of reading between the lines here, someone on the communications team who was supposed to take the main corporate page down didn't, and uh, they they took it offline, but they didn't delete it. They they saw it from a marketing perspective. We've got all this data, all these customer leads. We can't do that. And I don't know what happened to them specifically, but basically, uh, I don't know. Well, on top of that, I think Electrek basically. Uh, reported on that because they saw the SpaceX page was down. They saw the Tesla Student Center page was down. But when you went to the link for Tesla, mm. it still said, like, you know, uh, it existed. It didn't show you any information, but it still the link still oh, worked. Oh, boy. Yeah. And so it, uh, I, I got very lucky that I, I kind of, again, could read how Elon wanted it. But all this is to say Tesla, excuse me, Elon has always been hyper-focused on communication and marketing. And that's partly why I even left because... At the end of the day, I wanted to 
play a significant role on their marketing team. And I realized the role that I effectively wanted was one that Elon himself fills on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> so I, I wasn't shocked when this purchase came because I yeah. left knowing that that's what Elon is on Twitter. And guess what? The fact that he bought Twitter too, he cares so much about truth and all this. Yes. He saw it as a cheap way to get communications of all of his companies and all of his ideas mm. under, to some degree, his control. Yeah. For better or worse, I'm hoping that you know it's very altruistic. Mm. There are some times where I've seen it's not, but at the end of the day, I think there's enough critics and I hope there's enough listening to those critics to point Elon in the right direction and for this to be a good thing for humanity. Yeah, no, I, I, I first of all, I've always supported Twitter even, uh, well, once I heard what they were doing beforehand, uh, uh, he owned it, I got a little suspect, but um, <clears throat> to say the least, but you know, they were the first entity to verify me. So I always had an, af an affection for them. Uh, and because they, they, they saw that I was worth, you know, uh, giving extra credence to. So I did love Twitter. I do love tweeting there. And there's just so much hyper information that it comes out of there. How many million, I mean, it must be billions of tweets that go on daily. The amount of uh, information that Elon is able to then utilize and apply to other applications in his cadre of, of products or products he plans to launch. It's a very uh, fulfilling promise for him. Yeah, no, I, I think that, you know, whether it for him or otherwise, to have a place of public discourse uh, is incredibly important. And I, you know, Reddit exists and could be seen, and no one really talks about it as a social network. Uh, but that's because your your profile is not attached to it. Okay, so where's your profile attached to? Facebook. Okay, but can you really trust Facebook? And can you really get news or information from Facebook? Not anymore. No. And not really, not really ever. So I think that Twitter is kind of the last man standing in terms of like sharing opinions no. uh, and not having them be too filtered. And I think Elon saw that with his own opinions and everything else and said, we need to preserve this, and I, I'm hoping again that he does that for like continues to I hope so preserve that for everyone. Yeah, um, because it it's uh, you know <laughs> to sound almost cliche, it's almost essential for our democracy, given how the world works today. Yeah, uh, I mean even just to <laughs> call uh, it <laughs> call the cards here, I'm even getting people on my Facebook account that are saying they can't even see test drives of electric vehicles that I've put- Oh, it won't show your stuff. Won't show my stuff. Yeah. This is test drives of electric vehicles, folks. We're not talking about talking politics and political parties here. We're just talking about taking an electric car, <laughs> reviewing it for a week, and then telling the experience of it. Yeah, I, I'd go as far as to say that everything is political nowadays. Yeah. At, at, at very least, to a social network like Facebook, uh, you know, if you are a gas-loving guy, you're not going to love the electric vehicles. They they want to a lot of these social networks want to just make you feel good. Yeah. Uh, you know, you don't want to go to a platform and feel bad, and so it, they basically treat everything like it's a political matter. If you've got an opinion on something, you don't want to see the differing opinion, or if you do see the differing opinion, you want to. Uh, be able to be right about it. So the, there is just 
there needs to be a place of public discourse. There's yep. a lot more that we are in the middle on as a country, but if we only see the far extents, then we're only ever going to believe that that exists. Well, right. Whereas, and, and to just compliment what you're saying, whereas when I go and I ask people to go to Twitter and see if they can find my stuff, they're mm-hmm. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's really this hyper, manip- I would call it almost manipulation occurring um, of, of how people are able to see information except on certain spaces like, like Twitter and some other ones. Um, but you're not seeing it in places that you think you would on a daily basis. And that's very alarming uh, when we're trying to be, uh, you know, educated folk here. Responsible to, citizens. Yeah, a part of a, a democracy or, or supporting the free flow of information so that we can, you know, economics is about perfect information. The better your information, the better you can make better economic choices, folks. So it's really surprising that we're being limited on our choices, but yet Twitter is is constantly expanding it. Now they have spaces where, you know, it's kind of like a, 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 it's not even a competing against Clubhouse because Clubhouse is very, uh, um, harried whereas when you have an experience on twitter it's it's very uh even all conversations seem very interface you know engaging Mm -hmm. interfacing like you're really engaging with people people want to follow you people want to talk to you afterwards dm you it's not like this this thing of just spam bot you know and i think it really just comes down to yeah we we roughly speaking know who that person is Facebook had this opportunity, has all of our data to, to go this direction, but lean so far into filters and just making you happy. Mm. Uh, and I think we have in Twitter a, a space where we can share opinions, can try to meet in the middle um, and have conversations. That's great. So here's I'm going to go back to uh, Tesla now and the future of electric vehicles because that is something that i am always been passionate about. I swear when I wrote my the second edition to the book, Build Your Own Electric Vehicle, did I ever think we would be where we are today? Uh, but it, it it's here. Um, what do you think now about this uh, Ford-Tesla alliance on the charger port so that Ford Mach-E's or the, the F-150 Lightning will be able to charge at a Tesla? Yeah, and that's huge. It's huge. It's absolutely huge. And and part of where that comes from for me is, I've had multiple non-Tesla EVs. Um, again, I, I share the core Teslas, the Rivian. I've had a Mach E. Um, it's so clear to me as someone who shares cars that the only car I want to share with people is Tesla because it's so intuitive. It's so easy. And and basically, the as it relates to charging. The bar, t- in my mind, has to be better than gas. It has yeah. to be easier than filling up a gas station. At least for now, it's going to take longer. So it better be damn easy, damn reliable. Uh, and CCS, the way that the infrastructure is right now, it not being always reliable, like the credit card reader not no. always working, whatever no. it is, there's five different systems, and they all need to talk, and they don't always talk. No. And so Ford is one of the few companies that has seen that seen the data, seen our social posts, and like, wow, the customer experience is not what it needs to be for this port. And they're finally like, wait a second, Tesla is offering this. Let's, 
let's take it seriously. And they, they are. Next year, they're going to be providing adapters to everyone that's ever bought an electric car from them. I mean, not ever, but, right. but, uh, but all the modern generation of electric cars, uh, they're going to get an adapter. And the following year, they're going to uh, roll out their first product with a uh, Tesla-designed mm-hmm. charge port. And I just think, again, you need people to feel that it's easier and better than gas in order to adopt, in order to buy. Yep. And Tesla supercharging is that better network. Uh, so to to be able to facilitate that, it's a huge win for Ford. I wonder who's next uh, because Tesla is the largest, the best, the smoothest. All, all the superlatives are there. Yeah. And as people move over, it's going to continue. My only fear in that is just monopoly. Like there needs to be, in a way, Electro America. They, it's funny. They just moved from two ports to one right. on all their uh, all their chargers. I want them to get better. Um, I, you know, they'll still in some ways be problematic, but since some of their stalls still have two ports, uh, two CCS ports, I would love what, what a great announcement it would be is if they also add a Tesla port, it still yes. wouldn't be like Tesla supercharging where it's seamless, but we could slowly all move in that direction. And then in the long, long term, there'll be great alternatives to the Tesla supercharger if you, uh, want, but also that'll help prevent monopoly power. Uh, I think that's a good thing for everyone. Yeah. I, I think though that. This is, uh, as I've explained it to people, too, when it comes to, uh, <laughs> really, cords. <laughs> it's, it's a silly like, conversation. It's like, Only I, nerds care about this. It's Apple and Android. You know, it's like, you know, it's the Apple cord versus the Android cord. But really, the, what's going on is that, folks, the Tesla supercharger network is like no other. Um, when I, <laughs> one time I was in Texas renting a car in Avis, uh, and they had a Tesla. They gave it to me. Nobody wanted to drive it. And they said to me, "Why?" I said, why don't anybody want to drive it? They said, because there's only 30% on the charge. I said, where's the nearest supercharger or fast charger? They said, oh, about a mile and a half down the road. I said, give me the keys now. Yeah, okay. No I was, all I needed was a top off to get to the hotel, literally about 10 minutes. I then, which is enough time to just get there, charge up and get out. And then yet the day after I charged up with my mom, it took no time. It was so seamless. I literally just took the plug and went clip and it just went off because Avis had a deal with, te- with Tesla where it was just free supercharging. Yep. So way cheaper than gas. <laughs> it was the guys, I got a talk about getting a steal because nobody wanted the car. They gave me a Tesla long range, high performance model three for the same price as a small SUV. And you didn't have to pay anything. And I didn't fuel. have to pay for it. And I had, and it was free gas. Yeah. We're, I, I, folks, I'm trying to make this as easy as possible for you to understand that electric cars are not here to scare, but they're here to um, further empower you and further give you what you, you need, which is your money. You should not be giving it to uh, oil. You should be giving it to yourself. And that's all we're trying to do here. And I want to throw out something here just because you're absolutely right. And I think some people even hear that and don't believe it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Tesla's not going to have a monopoly on electricity. Um, electricity is readily available. Um, I think people have this perception that, oh, well, again, 
if you misheard what I said earlier, oh, Tesla could have a monopoly on supercharging, that could be very bad. And it's, yes, that is a concern. We want to make yeah. sure that fast charging is available in multiple places. I think but, you'll still have an Electrify America yeah, and but, you'll still have a Tesla. So there will be, there will be a couple of people. Yeah. But what I want to put out there too is, you know, slow charging at home is what most people should do. Oh, and it changes the, the paradigm entirely where you, you know, for standard commuting, you're never going to need a supercharger. You're, you're potentially, if you've got solar or great electricity rates, you're, you know, you're, it's pennies on the dollar. You're paying almost nothing to get to work. I used to charge at work for free. Um, and I, I, I Were you renting the then? Were you renting then? Because a lot of people, yes, the yes. concern, okay, so here's a concern that a lot of people have that I'm getting in New York is especially in the city, right? Is there's a lot of people that live in an apartment, they got nowhere to charge. So this concept of being able to charge accessibly and for less pennies on the dollar than gas is something I really want to talk about for yeah. the next few let, minutes. Let's briefly cover that. So yes, uh, when I was working at Tesla in those first one, two, and three cars, uh, I was charging at work every day uh, they were, you know, there was like a valet system that would rotate the car. So it wasn't like a guaranteed, uh, there was enough chargers for cars, but they took care of us. There was, all, I always left work with more than 200 miles of range. Uh, several workplaces have versions of that, especially here in California. Um, and you can always ask your employer as well to install something like that in the parking lot. And often because of benefits, uh, from the government or whatever else, it, they often benefit from it too. Um, on top of that, since leaving Tesla, um, I've never installed a high power wall connector. I bought an, one extra mobile connector mm -hmm. uh, and plugged it into a 110 outlet. And so I'm actually currently just running like to support my fleet of 13 vehicles in the city. Uh, as some of my renters return my vehicles, you know, below a standard, uh, 200 miles, uh, state of charge. And so I'll just top it off with a 110 over the next 24 hours, a 110 volt, so a standard uh, outlet. I'll add 50 miles overnight, 100 miles a day. Right. I'm back, you know, two days later, I'm back up above uh, the rate of return. And so I'm able to manage these 13 vehicles, almost never providing them under 200 miles of range with just a 110 outlet. And I just think that a lot of people don't even think about, again, the cost of that electricity is pennies. Yeah, folks. I mean, I know when I test drive cars too, what am I charging on? I don't have a 240 service for my thing. I charge it with the 110, with a 110 outlet. So it plugs into my a plug that I'm looking at right now at the wall and yeah. it goes right to the car. So folks, it, this doesn't have to be difficult. Yeah, and so I, I just want to close this concept with that, yeah. is that, yeah, a 110 outlet, the same thing you plug your laptop into, your, your phone into, you can get four, well, depending on the vehicle, my Rivian, two miles per hour, uh, but a Tesla Model 3, five miles per hour. And so you're, you can charge up overnight, m generally speaking, more than the average person will use just overnight. And so, uh, again, if you've got fast charging elsewhere, you've got everything you need. That's very cool. So just to kind of... Uh, wrap this up because I know you're very busy is where, because, you know, we always like to celebrate green living people or here, the, you know, uh, green guys that are just doing their thing. So where do you see your company going? Where do you want to take your company? Yeah. If, I were, if you were to look, uh, 10 years down the line or five years down the line, what, what is your vision? Yeah. So the kilowatts, as you know, it is, uh, still a high priority, but what I just recently announced is a company that I'm calling dispatch or right now it's dispatch EV. Um, but colloquially it will go by dispatch and it's effectively, 
I want to go into the market of competing with Turo. I think Turo is a great platform. Uh, arguably, you know, they satisfy a lot of needs for a lot of people. Uh, they you can they support all vehicle types up to like twenty or thirty years old cars. That's great. But what they're missing with this broad approach is they're not supporting EVs properly. Mm-hmm. They have uh, terms of service that like don't really make sense. So I might only be able to deliver the car to you with you know, 200 miles of range. That's my, that's my expectation on, on my cars. But you go to return the car at the end of your trip and it automatically populates saying return at 90%. And again, with a supercharger being maybe 520 miles out of town, depending on where you're, you're coming from, depending on which vehicle you have, to get to 90% is going to take a lot of time. The, uh, uh, the, the metaphor that people use is like pouring a glass of water. You start a little bit slow to make sure you're mm-hmm. pouring into the cup properly. As you fill up, it gets closer to full. Uh, you almost never want to fill it to 100%. That's kind of ridiculous. Right. Uh, but you're basically asking your guests to get damn near 100%. And that's going to be really slow in that last 5 10%. And so I, I just think that's ridiculous. I think 200 miles is, is more than enough for, for most people to start their next trip on. And so there just needs to be better communication. We can pull a lot of this information from Tesla and other companies. Mm. Uh, we can see that the trip started with 200 miles and only ask the guests to return it at that same state. We can see if you know, we're in San Francisco right now, if my renter, their trip is supposed to end in five hours, but they're still in LA, which is six hours away, and they're going to need a charge on the way. Right. Let's send a notification to both the host and the guest. I was about to just ask that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can do all these things now today. It's just it, these cars are more modern than anything else out there, and they're not, they're not being utilized to their full potential. And so I want is to- Is that what, they're ta- what Elon talks about when he says that a Tesla is almost like a million-dollar car? Um, I, I like that phrasing of it. I've never heard him phrase it that way. Um, but that, yeah, there, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lot of additional utility. I don't think it's about being modern, but there's a lot of additional utility uh, baked into a car that can hypothetically drive like a robo-taxi, mm-hmm. uh, you know, drive for eight hours a day, charge for three or two hours a day. Um, you know, hypothetically, you could drive it more often than even that. Uh, it just utilization of these cars could be 24-7. If we shift our work schedules... Um, you could basically have two hours of downtime for every 22 hours of driving. That's what he's thinking of. And I think the closer that we get to that, the better. Again, these cars have less maintenance needs, yes. uh, wear and tear, and you, we can kind of just keep them running. So I'm thinking with dispatch, let's turn a little bit of weekly downtime. So if you only use your car on the weekdays and you've got a different car for the weekends, or if you only use your car on the weekends and you commute with public transit on weekdays, Let's take that extra utility, mm. turning it from just you know uh, one to two hours a day of, of driving just on weekdays. Let's add on those weekends. That's what dispatch is meant to do. Uh, and then in the long term, we may be able to you know align with Tesla's objectives and facilitate the more you know every hour kind of utilization that t- that Tesla's talking. About. Right. So to sum that up, that you want to make a, an extremely large car sharing network of cars at a minimum of 200 miles so that people can use them but would be, these would be your vehicles so no no it's car sharing like so it is like car Turo. sharing like yeah. Turo, we just yeah. want to be a better version of what Turo currently offers something that just want to clarify for the audience so yeah. cuz some people think of car sharing and they think of like rentals or they think of this or they think of yeah. i just want to clear so it. the Air, Turo is the Airbnb of cars it's it's other people's property okay. 
uh, and we're looking at right now at least, you know, this is still early days in the business, but uh, doing that specifically for electric vehicles and making it a much better experience. Well, just to add on that, and I'll, I'll just add one point, which is that um, the story goes 2001, I launched the electric vehicle project when I was working for the state of New York. Zip Cars comes in and says, yeah, we're going to make every car electric in the fleet. They didn't. And look what happened. At the end of the day, we... <laughs> At the end of the day, we needed like great electric cars, and that's the one thing that Tesla changed in the whole market. There, it wasn't like electric vehicles didn't exist before, but electric vehicles weren't good before, and now they're great. And so we just want to just continue pulling out some of what makes them great and make it more accessible to people. Yeah, I mean the the the, the vehicle that turned me uh, when you go about butts and seats, the vehicle that turned me, which was the only thing that was out there, there was no Tesla back then, was the EV1, the General Motors EV1. They crushed that car, but that car did zero to 100 real quick, folks. Elon kept that, that spirit too, I guess, of, of the EV1 by, again, as he's mentioned multiple times, by utilizing the drive system and working with a company like AC Propulsion to make an amazing car go really fast and with the help of Franz von Holden to make it look beautiful and, and have a, a great feel and flow to it. And when you add all that together, um, and great technology, there is nothing that can stop you. And that's what happened with, uh, with Tesla. Uh, it, it's just amazing to see what has happened. Uh, I remember when I wrote the third edition of the book, Build Your Own Electric Vehicle, where we, we showed the build of a Tesla Model S because uh, when I met Elon and Franz von Holden, they said, when you do your next version of the book, please let's do this. And uh, they gave me access to a lot of pictures that I had never ever seen before anywhere. And um, it, you know, those pictures told a thousand words, maybe sometimes 2000 words, and we spelled them all out and um, I'm grateful to them. And, uh, you know, from that book, we were able to then expand what you're saying to complement what you're saying, saying about the idea of electric cars, not just build and convert, but buy. Mm-hmm. And then what happened, which is ironic if you think about it, is when we did that, if you go onto any then website, they were starting to do build your own, folks, because we were telling the car companies that it's now in the league of car companies. This is not just a tinkerer's concept anymore or the old 1900s or 18, you know, of, of electric cars, folks. This is reality now. And when they started embracing that, especially with the plug-in hybrids, when they started that versus doing all electric versus like what Tesla did, they started saying, when you go on the website, build your own. They started embracing it. So th to see the whole car companies, all these car companies trying to literally catch up to Elon. And the first thing that I ever said to Elon was, thank you for building your own electric vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's so important to be able to just do it right. And he didn't just do it just to do it. He did it more than right. He did it exceptional. And look what has happened. He is now, again today, reported, you know, the largest, you know, wealthiest guy in the world. And not just because of, of, of anything, but the fact of that what he builds performs. It's a benefit to society, everything mm -hmm. that uh, they've done with Tesla. 
And uh, again, we wouldn't be here talking today if it wasn't for that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of the other great follow-on companies that uh, were motivated. We're seeing the legacy automakers get motivated. Yeah. It's uh, a necessary transition. I think it's the most exciting transition of our lifetime. AI will see maybe come that way. I don't know. Yeah. But it, so far, this has been the most exciting transition of our lifetime. Yeah. And it feels like we're still in the early innings. We are totally in the early beginnings, and to see your company in the early beginnings as well is really what's exciting here. Green Living Guy saying one small step at a time. Today, I really want you to read about Ryan Levinson and Kilowatts and what he's doing. And also, as uh, we will put the links up to his future companies as well, we want you to really appreciate what's going on here in San Francisco with what he's doing. Um, he's making more than waves. Uh, he was also a part of, as he mentioned before, he owned a Mach-E, and I believe he was part of that Mach-E road trip experience, which he won. Uh, so, you know, this guy is not just a Tesla former employee and lover, but he's also a guy who can win in a Mach-E if <laughs> you give him the, the chance. So hats off to you. Um, he's the green guy of the day that we got to support and uh, make people realize that this is, this is what green jobs are about. This is what the green future is about. And uh, he's only helping people save money and uh, a cleaner air, cleaner environment and providing a, a benefit to society. Ryan, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You got it. You've been listening to The Green Living Guy Show with your host, Seth Lightman. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.